Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. I want to prepare you to prepare yourself during this series we're starting. Um, This series is going to take us a couple of years to get through. It's not sleek and sexy. It is going to be cumbersome and awkward because when Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep, a lot of times we, we read that in the American church and we say, it's the pastor's job to feed me, and it is, but not in the sense that we interpret it. It's not our pastor's jobs in this church to chew grass up for you and put it in your mouth. And if you don't like that flavor of grass, just try some different kinds. When when Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep, you see, we have a lot of animals. And I don't go out and I don't chew grass for any of my animals. Now, I'm not calling y'all animals. Maybe I am. When Jesus told Peter to feed your sheep, if you look at the translation, it means to make sure you put them out in a good pasture where they can feed themselves. So you're going to be very disappointed over the next couple of years. We're not going to go straight through it. We're going to pick it up. We're going to sit it down. We're going to do some emails. We're going to do some video teachings. You're going to hear from all the ministers in our church. Some of you are even going to be teaching stuff about it, and you just don't even know it yet because you have a teaching gift and we're going to dig it out of you and help you find it. And we're going to get you in the gift that God has called you to do. But what my desire is, is that you get just enough on Sunday mornings that you never leave feeling full, but you just realize how hungry you were. And that you don't show up every Sunday wanting me to chew up God's word and spit out what I've already digested. Think about that. It's secondhand information. And you're going to find out in a minute that that's why one of the reasons the enemy attacked Eve in the garden, because she had secondhand information. You need a revelation of God for yourself. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you is this is I pray that as you see the enemy has has a spiritual strategic attack on God's word. He wants us to think that it's boring. He wants us to think that it's lifeless. He wants us to think that we can't understand it. He would rather us sit at home and binge watch Yellowstone. Oh, I'm on it this week. I'm just going to call like, you call me old school and this is not legalism. Legalism is when you tell people they have to do certain things to have a relationship with God. But that crap is not God's best for our lives. And you can't, we can't watch as a believer, we can't watch filth and watch sin and then expect to not repeat it. I want to share something with you. The Lord's laid on my heart and it is strong. It's real strong. Do not let the first time your children see porn be sitting beside you on the couch watching a series on Netflix. It's not God's best for us or for our children. 
He would rather us, the enemy wants us, we are sacrificing our morals and our values for the sake of entertainment. When I'm going to tell you, there is nothing more entertaining than God's word. Because it's good stuff. It's not boring. You got to really think about it. Is it really boring? No, it's an attack from the enemy. Why does the enemy attack our hunger and our desire for God's word? Because Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, we can't do the things that please God. So of course he's going to attack you. Of course you're going to pick up your Bible and get tired. Of course you're going to pick up your Bible and your child's going to run in and say, it's been 18 minutes. It's my turn on the switch. And you're going to say, I can fix that. I'm going to switch to switch. Genesis chapter one, we're going to be going through the Bible chronologically, which means sometimes we're going to skip around. The Bible was not written in chronological order. It was compiled in genres of books. Now, some of the Bible does move in chronological order, but a lot of it doesn't. And if you really want to follow along, you're more than welcome to to buy yourselves a chronological Bible. It is a good study tool. It is not a good primary Bible because that's not the way God had it pinned. What I hope to, to see happen in this church is that we would have a, a, a different level of biblical literacy, that when you read the book of 1 Kings, you know where it fits in God's plan for man. There's nothing like coming into a movie halfway through and trying to put everything together. It's impossible to follow. So I'm going to move fast. You'll notice um, on the screen behind me that there is a timeline of God's word and you can just quickly look at it. Um, At some point, we're going to answer the question, when did the cowboys and Indians happen? At some point, we're going to, yeah, I always wondered that. I was like, when when was that all going on? When were we, you know, marching into people's lands and stealing it from them? Um, Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is such a pivotal verse where we often find that the enemy attacks the most. Think about it. Like every one of you know this verse, even if you don't read the Bible. But yet this is probably the number one most attacked Bible verse in the entire Bible. Why does the enemy attack here? Because if the enemy can get someone caught up that on this one verse, then everything else that scripture says is questionable. If God didn't create the heavens and the earth, then sin is not sin. We don't need a savior and Jesus was pointless. If God didn't create the heavens and the earth, then the rest of the Bible is completely pointless and useless. But the truth is, is that God did create the heavens and the earth. From Discovery Channel to the public school system, the enemy tries to dismantle this one verse. And they very rarely come out and say it, but it usually starts off like this. Hundreds of millions of years ago. Train your children that when they hear the phrase hundreds of millions of years ago to put up their right finger. And when the teacher says, what? Just tell them to remind the teacher, this is a theory. There are other theories. 
The earth was not created hundreds of millions of years. Some of you are hearing this for the very first time. How do we know? Were you here? Were there scientists here? No, we know because of carbon dating, but like half of scientists don't believe that carbon dating is accurate. I want to remind you that the science that many of us are building our theories on the creation of the world is the same science that told us if we wear masks for two months. <laughs> science that has a political and a theological agenda is not science. The enemy dismantles this by inserting little things like, oh yeah, there was a time where dinosaurs lived where men didn't. And I know I'm like, some of you are like, whoa, hold up. What does this got to do with God's word? I'm showing you where the enemy slips little lies in here and there. Read the account of creation. Cut off National Geographic and get a hold of a, a Christian scientist like Ken Ham in AnswersInGenesis.com and begin digging some of this stuff out for yourself. Don't believe everything that the world throws at us. The world is at a, in a battle. It's at war with God. Big bang, evolutionary theory. See, if God didn't create us, then he has no power to tell us what is best for our lives. Y'all see that? The enemy slips in right here at the very beginning. You know, and, and, and God created the heavens and the earth. Creation did not make God more of God. He didn't create us to prove his deity. He made us to love. We are objects of his affection, yet worshipers that were created to glorify God. He does not need you. He does not need, need me. He chose us. Hmm. I'm sorry, but that's better than being needed. That's better than being needed to be wanted. Even when you're not needed to just be desired and pursued. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we skip, and I'm asking you anything that I skip that you will go back and read in Genesis 2, 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. This culminates creation. I am what you would call a young earth creationist. I do believe that the earth is about six to 7,000 years old. I don't believe in any evolution. I don't see it in God's word. I don't think the science points to that. And I'm not super smart, but I do like to study and I do like to read. I do not believe we evolved. I don't believe the gene pool starts here and goes like this. I believe the gene pool started huge and then it went like this in certain regions of the world. And if you need to real, I'm telling you, I usually don't plug stuff but go to the Creation Museum in Kentucky and go see the ark that Ken Ham built that is literally the size of the ark. It is worth every penny. It is, if you have kids, take them now before they get brainwashed. If you don't have time, just cancel the money that you're spending on cable for a few months and take them then. I'm sorry, I'm so hyped up, I got to chill. <laughs> But no matter what you believe, 
everyone, see, when people come at you with these theories that don't line up with God as the creator of the universe, they want you to feel stupid. Notice that very rarely is science used as an argument. It's like, how can you be so dumb as to believe that something just existed and he said, boom, and then the world was created? And you're just like, I'm sitting there thinking, isn't that kind of what you're saying happened? That a glob of matter just existed and then without any direction whatsoever, boom, something happened and then it spiraled into these simple single cell organisms that slowly evolved over time and now I am one of them. It's Black History Month. How many of you knew that? Thank you for sharing. Did you know that the evolutionary theory is one is, is the primary reason that slavery was allowed, even in the church. Because it was taught that black people were less than evolved than white people. We don't under... Black people were brought over from Africa and put on display as just a couple of steps beyond primates. Some of those racial slurs that you've heard in the South, they're deeper than you think they are. They're rooted in, in Genesis chapter one. If the enemy can trip us up here, he can have us killing each other, hating each other, thinking that we're less than. And some of the hate that's been passed down from generation to generation, we don't even know why we just hate. But it's rooted in in the enemy trying to tear down the very beginning of the Bible. God created all of us and we are all equal. We are all equal. We didn't evolve from anything. I need to just move on. I love you guys so much. Also in this verse, let me just say on the seventh day, he rested from his work. One of the reasons it's good to go through the Bible verse by verse is this, and in order from time to time, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing a topical Bible study, but when you go in order from verse to verse, you can't make the Bible say what you want it to say. You have to stop and just be like, okay, well, why at the end of creation did the Bible, did God thought it was so important to tell people that even God rested from his work? What's the point? Why is this in here? Well, it just doesn't go with the flow of my message. God's really cramping my style right now. I was going in a direction and he decided to go in another. That was supposed to be funny. So we're going to stop and for just a minute, and I'm going to just tell you, this was one of the Ten Commandments, but it was patterned after what God did. We should rest at least one day of the week. And honestly, if you're too busy to rest and give the Lord worship one day of the week and spend time with your family and something that you like to do for pure enjoyment, you're too busy. And the people that need to hear it the most, right now, you're really angry at me. Because you're saying... You don't understand, man. I got bills to pay. Well, then that's God telling you that your standard of living is too high. 
Don't drive around in your Sabbath. Sell it. And go get you one. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Talk with your spouse before you sell it. Don't put it on, on uh, Craigslist right now, okay? <laughs> you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. I don't do marriage counseling, but I'm just kidding. I do. <laughs> but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not... Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't let the enemy trick you right now here. Pay attention. I'm going to start over. Some of us were distracted, including myself. The Lord God took the man in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. He put him in the Garden of Eden to... Hey, work is not part of the curse. You were created to work. To work more than you rest so that you could enjoy your rest. Work is not part of the curse. Work is not part of the curse. Oh gosh, help me, Lord, to move. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. We don't look very far before we see the concept of choice or human free will come into play. This does not strip away and does not erode at the sovereignty of God. Free will and sovereignty are not at odds with each other. If they're at odds with each other in your mind, it's because you've made them at odds with each other. There are a bajillion verses in scripture that tell us to choose this day who we will serve. And there are a bajillion of verses in the Bible that tell us that God, he can make anything happen that he wants to happen. We're mere mortal human beings. We're probably not going to fully grasp how man has free will and yet God is sovereign at the same time. I've tried it a couple of times. I didn't get very far. There is nothing in scripture about being the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil being an apple tree, by the way. And while that seems like it doesn't matter, it does. Subtle lies turn into gaping holes in theology. A tiny ark that has a giraffe in it bigger than the ark is a lie from the enemy. You're like, Daniel, you are just off the charts today. You need to tone it back. No, it does, because think about this. We teach our kids this tiny ark theory with a giraffe that's bigger than the ark. They go to college, and the first time anybody ever questions them, they're eating them alive, telling them how foolish and stupid it is to believe that a giraffe can fit on an ark. Once you go out with a can of spray paint, and mark off how big the ark was for you, you and your kids. There you go. There's a Sunday Sabbath project. And then you tell me if a giraffe can fit in it. I'm not going to give you the answer. And there's, there'll even be room enough in it for your opinions as well. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm nicer than I seem, I promise. Pastor Steve's in the back saying, no, he's not. Y'all don't know. Yeah, just check. Ponder what this means. At this point, Adam and Eve were not. Okay, stop. I, the reason I say this is because we start thinking of, oh gosh, the apple tree. Apples are bad. 
But it was the tree of the knowledge of both good and evil. When you learn the tree's name, you don't need a preacher to tell you what it was about. That why was it in a tree? I don't know. I also don't know why I can put a tiny little seed in the ground, Ed, and beautiful things come out. I don't get it, but it's just one of the things that God did to help us understand principles from a holy God. It was the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At this point, Adam and Eve were not even aware that there was such a thing as right and wrong, good and bad, bad and evil, good and evil. Why? Because you can't have a genuine love relationship with someone unless there is a choice. I've always asked myself, like, God, why did you have to make good and evil possible? I'm not saying God is the author of evil, but why did he even give us a decision to begin with? Because you can't have a relationship with someone when there's not a choice. That's not a relationship. That's called slavery. This was a place of innocent, but yet we chose to know what God knew and open up the box to a life of sin. Let this be a lesson to all of us concerning sin. Pastor Steve preached the message in my teenage years called the law of the exception, and I never forgot it. The enemy will always point out what you can't have and what you don't have, and you'll stop celebrating and praising God for what you do have. God will have you seeing that your husband is boring rather than seeing that he's had the same job for the past 20 years. He's put food on the table. He's a rock. He's a rock. He's always there for you. And all you can do is complain about him not having enough spark. Well, honey, you brought enough spark into the relationship. If there was another one of you, the relationship would go up in flames. The enemy will show you how much money you don't have rather than seeing what you've got because you haven't spent your whole life in a stinking paper chase. You got time with your family. You don't have debt up to your eyeballs. You can go on tiny vacations when you want to. You can volunteer your time at the church and at the soup kitchen and in the community. You've got time to go to the gym and be healthy and take care of the temple of God. But what the enemy will do when you're laying in the bed at night, he'll show you what you don't have because of a little bit of money. It's the law of the exception. He'll, he'll cause you to not see the blessings surrounding you. He'll cause you to hear the one squeaky wheel in the church who's a jerk to everybody. Rather than look around and see the Micah Muscots who when he's cleaning out his closet, he sees things that he knows I would like and he brings me a big old bag Full of work clothes. He'll have you thinking, oh, this church, it don't get hype enough, so you won't appreciate the still small voices that come out of men like Abijah Graham. He'll have you seeing 
just the people that you don't like. And what you won't see is you won't see 50 teenagers get Barbara Reese out of her seat and put a chair in the middle of the altar and lay hands on her in night of worship. He'll get you looking at everything you don't have and everything that's wrong when there's 99 reasons that you should be praising God. We'll trade in a luxury car that's already been paid for, for a washed up, rusted out beater at the drop of a hat, all in the name of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, this is what we're up against. If you can't fix this mess with behavior modification, we needed something else, something better, someone that could come in and do it the right way and take our place. Genesis chapter three, verses one through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Not any of what God said. How does the enemy get us to begin with? He lies. When people do wrong things, we look at them and we're like, well, I don't know how they could do that. I can tell you how they could do that because they didn't just do it today. They swallowed lies years ago and they believed them. They believed the lies of the enemy. This is the devil at his finest misquoting scripture. God did not say you can't eat of any tree in the garden. He said, you just can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. By the way, there was another tree. There was the tree of life. We'll talk about that in a minute. And the woman said to the serpent, nobody was trying to eat a tree of life. And Bible, the Bible tells us that rather, that's one of the reasons God kicked them out of Eden. Because if they had eaten the tree of life, after they had partaken sin, that they would have died in a fallen state for the rest of their lives. They would have gone on to a fallen state, continually separated from God for eternity. Help me, Pastor Steve. Better be careful. He's been gone for a few weeks. He says, I will help you. Just sit down and give me the microphone. <laughs> and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not. She, she got it right. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. God did not say that. He didn't say don't touch it or you will die. He said, don't eat. What do we see here? The same thing that we see in good old Goldsboro, North Carolina, a religious pharisaical spirit. This was part of the serpent's plans and it still is to add layers of rule to God's eternal law to make it seem like it's impossible to live out. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, I hope some of you are like doodling right now. And that it was a delight to the eyes, good for food, delight. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Teenagers, look at me. Just because it looks good, just because it shimmers like gold, just because you desire it, doesn't mean you should eat. This is why scripture says we do not follow our hearts. Our hearts are deceitful above all things. Then the eyes of both were opened. 
and they knew that they were they were what? Naked. It's okay to say naked in church. They knew that they were naked. Now that we're all awkward, let's move on. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I just like saying the word loincloth. This is the pattern of sin. God, listen, please write this down. Teenagers, pay attention. Hear me out. Hear me out. This is the pattern of sin. Remember, teenagers, when I, students, when I preach to you and I pick on you, I'm saying things. Y'all remember why I do this, right? Does anybody remember? Because I'm saying things to you that you won't get mad at me about that the adults will. <laughs> right? Y'all are easier to preach to. How many are thankful for our students? Let me Amen. say. Help me stay focused, Lord Jesus. The pattern of sin. God lays out a perfect plan for our lives. The enemy tempts us and he erodes at God's very word. Why? To see our faith. We begin to believe the lies of the enemy. We give in and quickly realize that it wasn't what we thought it was. Some of us need to write this down. If you're struggling with patterns of sin, in your life. Think about it. Right after the pinnacling few moments of bliss on your date with sin, you always see it. It never feels as good as you thought it would feel. Literally, it feels good. And then at the very end, you're almost like it wasn't worth it. Because now what happens is this. How was I so stupid? Think about how fast it happens. I, oh, it looks good. It looks good. I want it. I want it. I desire it. I'm going to participate. I'm an idiot. Wait, what? You were just having fun. You see, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Reverend Nate. He was sharing this with me in the gym the other day. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but he always disguises it like he's giving you something. He's helping you live your best life, and he's going to build you a, just a better life than, than you've ever had before. He always disguises it, but literally as soon as you participate, what does he do? Shame, guilt, condemnation, and then what do we do? We hide. We cover it up. I don't know if y'all ever seen fig leaves before, but they're mighty irregular. And just saying, don't feel like fig leaves are an appropriate covering. I want you to see what happened that when they gave into sin, immediately the shame and the condemnation went, and they went and be, they began trying to fix it themselves. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of garden. Please see the evolution of sin continuing. We, we get shame, we get condemned. Okay, now let me start all over. It looks good. We want it. We desire it. We give in. Then shame. Then condemnation. Then I need to fix it myself. And then we start hiding from the very presence of God. That phrase, backsliding, is a real thing. 
When we get engaged in sin, what do we do? We stop coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ because the last thing we want to experience is what the worship team led us into this morning because of why. It, it feels like a magnifying glass is burning that area of your life. The two things we need are the two things we run from. We need exposure and we need the presence of God. But the Lord God called the man and said, where are you? God didn't ask the man where he was because God didn't know. He asked because the man was in uncharted territory. Adam and Eve didn't know where they were. They did not know. They thought they knew where they were, but they did not understand how serious this was. You cannot manage sin. The enemy will think that you can't make you think that you can, but you cannot manage your addiction. An addiction is an addiction and it controls you. You don't control it. You cannot manage fits of rage and outbursts. You cannot manage jealousy. You can't manage your sin. And he heard and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman, the woman whom you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Real quick, men, it ain't your wife's fault. No, no, hold on one second. I don't want women saying anything right now because then the men won't receive anything that I say after that. Men, let's lead our homes. I have so many places to get rabbit trails. I'm really struggling this morning. Lord, help me be disciplined. Make me light, make me fast. The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. This is sin. This is what it does. It lures us, convinces us that God is a lie, that we know better. We can somehow manage our sin only to quickly find out that sin manages us. Then we hide. We experience shame. Then because of the shame and the guilt, we evoke this weird sense of pride that I got this. I can handle this. I will just hide from God's presence and I will fix this myself. We create a covering of fig leaves. We, we hide behind all kinds of mess. We hide behind church attendance. We hide behind family. We hide behind hobbies. We do all kinds of things to prove to everybody around us that we're not as messed up and jacked up as the rest of you. But I got news for every single person in here. You are the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners. And you can try to hide behind your religiosity. You can try to hide behind your good behavior, your community participation, or your beautiful kids but it's all just fig leaves. Only one thing can cover our sin. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothes them. Pastor Blake, I'm wrapping up. The Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. 
In other words, he looked down and he did not bypass their sin. That is not what grace is. Grace is not God looking the other way. It's actually him seeing us in our despicable nature and choosing to love us anyway and going and looking for us when we would rather hide from the presence of God and then loving us enough to say, baby, that don't fit. Mm -mm. Yeah, those fig leaves. (laughs) I don't know if you know, but you want to do a little model turn real fast? Because it ain't covering what you think it's covering. But I've got a better covering for you. A covering of, and we see every single verse in the Bible whispers the name of Jesus. When you read the Bible with Jesus in mind, it's not boring. It's not lame. It's not unapplicable. It applies to everything in our life. And you will see Jesus drenched. You will see the blood of Jesus saturating every page of scripture when you read it with his name in mind. You see, when, when, when God brought animal skins, it meant something had to die. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, when Jesus, he killed some animals to bring skin, it was just the first level of understanding for us to get that we could not cover our own mess. We needed a better covering. And when he said animal skins, he was pointing forward to 4,000 years later when Jesus would leave heaven. He would come to this earth and he would become the animal skin. He would become the covering for our sins. He would do what we could not do ourselves. He would come looking for us when we hid. When we tried to run from the presence of God, he would say, oh no, you can't run far enough. I'm gonna find you. You see, you never found Jesus. He found you. He came looking for you. In the middle of your mess ups, in the middle of your mistakes, he came looking for you and he brought a covering. He brought a covering that cost blood. He brought a covering that that cost death. This is the first image of Jesus we see in scripture, but every scripture whispers the name of Jesus. It all points to this. You cannot cover yourselves. You can't cover your sin. You need what Jesus did on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate covering of sin. If you're here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you've never confessed him as the Lord of your life. And every single time somebody asks you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Your response goes like this. Well, I mean, I went to the, I went to the, I went to Sunday school. You know, went to the Baptist church down from the house. And yeah, my mama caught the Holy Ghost one Sunday. So we had to start going to the holiness church down the house. But she wouldn't wear her hair in a bun. So then we had to go to the Pentecostal church down to, and you're in yourself you know, I'm asking you do you have a relationship with Jesus well I'm a good person okay me too and you're all the time like I'm, 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 I was witnessing to some guys this week and I was I was t- trying to talk about Jesus but all everybody keeps pointing to is like like all this stuff that I've they've done And I'm just sitting here thinking like, Lord, peel back this religious spirit from Goldsboro, North Carolina, 
where you have to convince people that they're lost before you can lead them to Jesus. It's a real spiritual battle we are facing here in, in, in the Bible Belt. We are not saved by our coverings. We are saved by the blood of Jesus and he is the only one who can cover your sins. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. If you are not saved this morning, here is, this is, it's been made too complicated for you. You do nothing for your salvation. The Holy Spirit gives you the faith to even believe right now, to see yourself as a sinner and to see Jesus as a savior. That was a gift from God. You literally just answer the call. You confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You mean I don't have to come to church? No, you don't have to come to church. What do I need to clean up? Absolutely nothing. Do I need to quit listening to raunchy music? Nope, you don't. Sure don't. Not to be saved. Now, after you fall in love with Jesus, if you've ever been in love, you learn what that person likes and tolerates and you stop going to that restaurant because she don't like it and you don't watch these kind of movies because she don't like it and you don't talk like this anymore because she don't like it. Like when you get into a relationship, some of you have tried to be churchy without being saved. You've tried to change your behavior without having a relationship with the behavior changer. Created a covering of fig leaves and honey it ain't working come to Jesus stand on your feet come to Jesus receive the covering that he so beautifully symbolized right within the first few chapters of God's word if you're here this morning and you see yourself as a sinner and Jesus as the Savior and you are not saved I want you to slip up your hand and say that's me put it up real fast say that's me I see you. I saw it in the back. Praise God. Come on. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else say, that's me? That's me. Listen, I don't know what you've been told, but this is what it takes. Faith is a gift from God at this point in time in your life. The Bible says right now to confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that God raised Him from the dead. So I want to pray with you. Lord, come on. If you've already confessed it before, confess it again as a believer. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart 
I say the same thing about Jesus that God says about Jesus. He is the, he is the sacrifice for my sin. He is the covering for my mess ups and my mistakes. He is the only way I can have a relationship with the Father. I confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead and now I am saved. I am saved. Come on, let's thank God right now. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.